With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Dola White. And this is the Dola White Podcast. The education system in our country is broken. It's underprioritized, underfunded, and educators are underrespected and taken for granted. Now, all of those things factor into a child's experience at school. Add the fact that our education system also asks children to basically sit still all day, then piles on homework, and to top it all off, we put kids under tremendous pressure and stress to perform well at school. This doesn't seem like a system that can win, but we're stuck with it, right? Maybe not. Credit to my wife for knowing what a Montessori school is because I had never heard of it until we started looking at schools for our daughter. And when I first set foot into a Montessori school, I was blown away by the methods they use to educate children at their pace and on their timeline. Montessori schools are child-led and a fun experience for the kid. And because the child is having a pleasurable experience, they learn more. There's no homework, no tests, and most importantly, no stress. I mean, who really wants their kid to be stressed out? Now, my guest today is Simone Davies, a Montessori teacher located in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Along with her partner, Simone has written The Montessori Toddler and The Montessori Baby because, to my surprise, Montessori is a whole style of parenting, not just an alternative to traditional education. Now, the obvious elephant in the room is that not everybody can afford Montessori school for their children, which is why it's up to all of us to start movements in our own communities to make more public Montessori options. It's time we rebel against traditional education and traditional parenting. It is time for Montessori. Welcome to the Dolo White Podcast. Pull up, get live. Yeah. What's up? Uh, this is not live. It, it's completely recorded. Broadcasting from one of the top recording studios in all of Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, that's not true at all. I'm, I'm probably at home doing this. He's been called one of the greatest thinkers of his time. Literally no one has ever called me that. I, I do kind of agree with it, though. Right. Right here. A 2017 recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. That's just a flat-out lie. Talking politics, community, race, religion, entertainment, sports, and whatever the fuck else. Yeah. It's the Dola White Podcast. Episode 24 now of the Dola White Podcast. My guest today, author of The Montessori Toddler and now The Montessori Baby, Simone Davies. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you about Montessori today. For those that don't know, because I did not know until I had a child and my wife was like, uh, I want her to go to Montessori. And I was like, what the hell is Montessori? And, but I will say this. We went to uh, the first Montessori tour we went to. I was blown away and I was like, this is how we're, we should be educating children, not the way I was educated in the Clayton County, Georgia public schools. So tell us about Montessori for those of us that don't know, because it's not it's not as well known as I I believe it should be. Yeah. So that's actually where I always start. It's like if you walked into a Montessori classroom, you'd see children of different ages working on different activities, sometimes together, sometimes next to each other. One child might be standing to observe a lesson. Um, another child might be getting up to return their activity to the shelf and choose something else. Um, there's a lot of movement, but very quiet, industrious working going on. And you're like, how can these children be motivated to learn when no one's telling them what to do? 
But the Montessori environment is attractive. It's really rich. It's got a really rich curriculum of maths, language, botany, zoology, geography, and a lot of the practical life skills about taking care of their classroom and each other. So it's such a holistic approach to education. And it works really well because you have a mixed age classroom as well with three to six-year-olds together, six to 12, or with the older children can then help and give lessons to the younger children. They consolidate their learning and the younger children can learn from the older ones. And you know how quickly they pick things up when they're around older children. So the teacher them doesn't actually have to give as many lessons, but is there to support and guide and give lessons where the children are up to. I feel like the thing that I was most impressed with as well was that it was like, um, it's child led. So the child kind of defines their own experiences, takes the bull by the horns, if you will. And I think that is a better way to teach children because I remember being in school and I was like, well, I don't like this. I'm not going to put my all into it. And you memorize it and you take a test and then you forget it for the rest of your life. That's not the way Montessori works. And I think there's something special about that, that maybe we've been doing this wrong the entire time when it, when it comes to education and maybe Montessori is just a better way. Yeah. It's really lovely because it follows children's interests and also their rhythm. And like, sometimes you might just come in and think, I'm just feeling a little tired this morning. So I'm going to start in the book corner and read a book for a while, or I'm just going to sit and observe. And you know, you pick things up by watching other children. So it's not like you're never learning, but you can follow your rhythm. You don't have to be like, the teacher's telling me we need to learn this today. So I have to be interested in that. I mean, everyone's learning at their own pace. Some child will learn to read quicker than another child. So why not let that child who's interested in reading learn to read right now? And the child who's not interested in reading, rather than forcing them to learn when they're not ready, why don't they work on the thing that they're fascinated with right now? And it's such holistic education that actually you can't really separate out all the areas anyway, because when you're reading a book and you're turning the page, you're pointing to things and you're learning numeracy at the same time and yeah, it's just such a beautiful, as you say, approach, which is a very natural way to learn. Is there a, a country, I know you, you're you in the Netherlands, your partner is in Nigeria, I'm of course in America. Is there a country that you know of that maybe takes the lead on Montessori where it's a little more regular, easier to find, maybe provided by the government in, in certain countries? Or is it because here is there we actually in Nashville, where, where I live, we have a public Montessori option here. I don't know that it's well known, but most of them are like private schools. So you, you know, you're paying a good amount of money to go to a Montessori school. Are there countries that kind of provide for their young students this experience where it's more normal than it is, say, here? Yeah. So interestingly, here in Northern Europe, um, a lot of the social kind of economies have pay for education no matter what type of education. It can be classical, Montessori, Reggio Emilia, Dalton, all the different types of education. Um, so here in the Netherlands, they are there's 20 public Montessori schools just in Amsterdam. Wow. So it's much more well-known and it has been here for a lot longer. Dr. Montessori herself lived here though, so that's probably not surprising why it maybe took off here more. And ironically, she's initially from Italy, but yes. it's not so well-known in Italy. Wow. So it does depend on the different places and how it also fits. Like it kind of teaching children independence fits well with the way the Dutch people raise their children. You know, they do let their children have a say, have interesting conversation at dinner um, and treat them with some respect. So I think it does fit well with that culture. But I do think that there are luckily there's a big push for public Montessori schools in the U.S. at the moment. So hoping that it won't just be one, but more and more will be opening up and be more accessible. That's really important. Because I, I couldn't help but think that Montessori in, in the U.S. should be more readily available, especially to kids in lower income communities. And I, and that's the first thing I thought was like everybody deserves this experience, regardless of, of how much money is brought in. But uh, I want to get into the book, the 
Montessori baby. Uh, I looked at this. I love the way it's written because it's almost like an instruction manual. And um, But you guys cover everything from the way to set the room up. There's actual like pictures and diagrams of how to set the room up and uh, explain some of the some of the Montessori baby concepts that that you feel strongly about. I know the floor bed was the one that I was like, that is interesting because I mean I paid Pottery Barn a lot of money for a crib that my daughter has still not slept in. That's another story, but uh, <laughs> but the the floor bed I thought was interesting. There's a lot of interesting things that kind of question the the standard, and that's what I I like doing on this podcast and my radio show. So explain the Montessori baby. Okay, well let's start with the environment. So how you set up your home, um, because we're trying to show our baby respect from birth. And to give them respect in the living space, we might try and create a space where a movement mat, we call it, um, where the baby can just lie and stretch their body. And you might, when they're young, have a mobile so that they can practice their tracking skills and things like that. Um, but they might, you know, notice that they're just following you as you walk around. Or if you have older siblings, you know, they're tracking the older siblings as well. Or if you don't even want to buy a mobile, you can be outside on the, um, a picnic blanket and the child can watch the leaves, you know, of a tree. And that's also a mobile. So we're looking at what meets the needs of the child very simple as opposed to you need to buy so much stuff and children can't find anything or it's all stuffed into a toy box and with Montessori it's very calm it's less is more and you might just have a low shelf with a few simple things laid out and then you have to really observe what your child's working on right now and with a baby it might be visual development or when they get to three to six months old they're starting to grasp things so it could be a selection of rattles and things like that and at the because they're not moving you'll bring it over from the shelf to give it to the baby to reach for and as they start to slither, then they'll be motivated to start to get the things. And then by the time they become toddlers, they actually even know where to put things back because they've always learned that their things belong on the shelf. So that's the living area. Then in their bedroom, we also want to make things accessible for them. And yeah, it's controversial, but we suggest a floor bed. Dr. Montessori noticed that the crib is designed for an adult, you know, to put them in, you know, where your baby is and it's at our height and all these kind of things. But actually when a baby wakes up, they have to cry to get out because they're dependent on you. Where if you have a floor bed and they've always been placed on a floor bed to sleep, they learn this is my place to sleep. They don't crawl out of a bed because they can't yet. And then as they do start to slither and crawl, when when they wake up they can crawl over to an area which might have some books or some soft toys or some quiet things to play with and they can do that and maybe even crawl out to find you if it's safe or there might be a baby gate where you can come in and still get them and so they wake up they're awake um, and it gives the child like I can do this and treating them with such respect that they're a full person and you're there just to support them. Very, very simple. You don't need to go to Pottery Barn and spend all your money, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I, I really also liked about your book is it also, obviously, dealing with Montessori, it's child-led. And uh, I think we probably have a lot of pressures. Your, your kid has to be walking by this age. Your kid has to be potty trained by this age. Your kid has to be sleep trained by this age. And that's not what you suggest. And that's what I like about the book is that it's like, hey, this is what we suggest, but every child is different. So... <laughs> kind of find what works for you. And I don't think enough people give themselves or their child that flexibility, uh, especially in those early years. Luckily, I was, I was probably somebody in one of those thought processes. Luckily, my wife is a lot smarter than I am and was like, no, she'll be fine. Just, you know, on her own time, on her own time, on her own time. But speak to that a little bit, because I don't, I think everybody has these sets, these bars and these expectations for their babies to meet. And just let them be a baby sometimes, like let them discover these things themselves, right? And then it's amazing what they're capable of anyway when they develop naturally on their own timelines. Um, so yeah, Montessori is about following every child. And what I love is like when a new child comes to my class, I'm just looking at them with fresh eyes with as a blank slate. Like I 
don't expect you to be walking right now. I don't expect you to be talking. I want to see how you respond to me before I interact with you as opposed because some children will maybe want to shake your hands in times when you can shake your hands and other children are going to be like cautious and they're going to take their time to warm up. So I'm reading their body language. I'm listening with my eyes as well as my ears, you know, like to read a child and to treat every child uniquely. And so to let go of those um, milestones is really hard because we compare our child to other people's children. And um, what we've done in the book is said, these are some ideas for around this age, but give or take a few months either yeah. way, because every child's different. And that, I think I'm glad you got that idea when you read the book that, okay, every child's unique, every child's unique. Yeah. I'm getting this idea that I can drop it because it's something that was put on us. Every child um, in kindergarten is meant to be able to do a certain thing. Every child in first grade is meant to be a certain thing. And we're trying to break down all this paradigm. I mean, that's some pretty serious work we want to do. So it's just slow and steady. Um, I think people do do it better in baby age and toddler age now with they're learning about the monster approach, but it gets scary around four or five. Like, is my child ever going to learn to read if I don't like force them? So um, it takes a lot of trust, but with guidance from maybe a monster guide or some training, you'll start to see like that your child is developing beautifully. And let's get back to sleep a little bit, because I think if, yeah. uh, especially for new parents, um, there's just, you just, there's just no sleep sometimes for certain baby for us, there was like no sleep. Um, so what is it that you recommend? You said in the book, like whether you're, you know, whether your kid sleeps on in their room in the room with you or co-sleeps with you like all of those things are fine what is the Montessori approach to sleep yeah so that's the thing I always start with is that Montes um, sleep is so personal so I can't dictate what you're going to do right with your sleep but I also see sleep is no different to any other skill that a child needs to learn so when they were learning to stand up they just, they fall down a few times. They pick up. Sometimes you might need to catch them, sometimes not. Um, if they're learning to do a puzzle, they'll try and try again until they master it. And so I just think of sleep as a skill. How much help do I need to give them and how little help do I need to give them? Can they? How much do they need to themselves? So I think what often happens is we start to rock our babies to sleep or feed them to sleep and we give them a lot of help. But then we kind of don't observe to then see when do they actually, are they ready to move to more collaboration and then to independence? Um, so we just, in the book, highlight, you know, monetary principles are observation, they're letting child do as much as possible for themselves, but we're there to support them. And so what that could look like is with this great floor bed is that you could be sitting beside them as they're falling asleep with maybe just a hand on their back. You know, it's just, that might be enough for your child or another, maybe the next sleep, you might just need to stroke their head. And then the next sleep, oh, I don't actually need to do anything at all. So you're just observing every nap with fresh eyes to see. And then, oh, actually, they don't seem to need me at all. They're not looking around. I'm going to go and make a cup of tea and just pop back and check. So you're basically applying the same principles and trusting Like you cannot actually, like when people say, how can I put my child to sleep? You're asking the wrong question because the child is controlled, controls when they fall asleep, right? So all you can do is provide the environment, be available if they need you, and then let them fall asleep. It's hard to accept sometimes, but it's just like human beings. Like sometimes it's just like adults, right? Uh, human beings, but just like adults, right? Like we can, like sometimes we can fall right asleep and sometimes we're wide eyed, at, you know, in the middle of the night for literally no reason or reasons that we we can't figure out at the time. So having to keep that in mind is easier uh, during the daylight than it is, you know, in the middle of the night and your, your baby wakes up, but try to keep it in mind, right? Now, I know you also wrote the, the Montessori Toddler, which you put out uh, before this one. So if you have a toddler now, hint, hint, um, you know, what, what are some of the uh, aspects of the of the toddler uh, if, if you kind of miss the baby stage? Yeah, so with the toddler, I 
it's basically a love letter to the toddlers, my toddler book, because I love hanging out with toddlers. I think they're brilliant because they keep you in the present moment. Like, you know, if you walk along down the street at their pace and they'll point out like a flower growing up from the crack in the ground and like, you're right. How did a flower grow up through between the pavement there? That's amazing, isn't it? So they bring so much joy because they bring you back to the present moment, even though they are super emotional because there's a lot <laughs> going on in their bodies. Like I just feel for them a lot. Like they're growing so much in those first three years. It's amazing. But you know there's so much going on and they're emotional but as soon as they've had a big like meltdown and you're there to support them and understand yeah you're having a hard time right now then they go back to being their jolly selves again and you're like if I wake up grumpy I'm grumpy for a day maybe even a whole week you know so like I just love how they kind of brush off and I we can learn a lot from toddlers and I think they're also so honest like they'll just say look at that person they've got glasses and you're like yeah they've got glasses we're a bit embarrassed but like they're just honest then so if you get a hug from a toddler you know that you're doing okay, right? So what to say about toddlers is that they, they're they not giving you a hard time, they're having a hard time. So when they do have these tantrums, they call them the terrible twos. What I like to think is, what are they trying to tell me right now? Something didn't go their way. And toddlers have a very strong sense of order. They expect something to happen. So it might even be that it's the spoon that they were expecting to have for breakfast isn't available right now. To them, that is the biggest deal. And that could cause a 15 minute tantrum. But if you say, oh, you really wanted that spoon and it's not available right now. Yeah, it's in the dishwasher. They might still have a tantrum, but I'm just staying calm and going, yeah, I understand. I'm here. Do you want to cuddle? You just want me to help? Okay, I'm giving you some distance right now. Let me know if I can do anything. And like, if I just stay calm, I'm like understanding. We all have hard days. But yeah. toddlers just sometimes have a few more hard days than others, you know? And so they're actually perfectly capable as well. Like I love setting things up in my classroom so children can do it themselves. I've got two-year-olds who make their own orange juice, set the table, pour their own drink. And when you see children who are so capable, you just think, yeah, I think a toddler who is frustrated that everyone's doing things to them, they're touching them, they're getting them dressed. And um, we really slow things down and take the time to teach them how to put their own coat on with a little coat flip. Um, and children are so happy that they can do it themselves. So it takes a little bit longer up front to teach them how to get put things on themselves. But then you have these three and four-year-olds who can put their own shoes on and get themselves yeah. ready. And then you have 19-year-olds who cook you dinner. They go to the supermarket, buy all the ingredients, and then you just um, send them some money through a bank transfer when they get home. <laughs> uh, toddlers are, are definitely emotional. My almost four-year-old put me through it last night. But like you said, like, you know, 20 minutes later, she was like the sweetest kid in the world again. And I read something on Instagram the other day that said, something to the effect of your child's job is to throw a tantrum your job is to not throw a tantrum I think is what it said and I, I, I always I, I try my best to keep that in my own mind when uh we have those dark moments it's like all right she's gonna throw a tantrum it's my job not to um last thing before I let you out of here just what are the advantages of you know raising your child Montessori style putting them in Montessori school like what do we see later on in life uh, after that Montessori experience? Yeah, what I love about Montessori children is they're super interesting. Like they love interesting conversation because we've taken the time to listen to them, for them to be involved in daily life. Um, you find that they usually want to do things in community because they're used to, you know, even a two and a half year old who sees something fall down in the class will help the younger child. You know, they're learning how to look after each other. Um, they're used to thinking creatively because they're not just given solutions. They're 
like problem solving and working things out themselves. And there's some really good research that Angeline Lillard's been doing actually about children um, from underserved communities getting a lot out of the Montessori approach mm. because it's bringing them up to this um, level that other children who come from uh, higher educational backgrounds and things like that. Um, and they're getting really great results. So I just love that each child, if nothing else, a child will feel seen, they'll feel heard and they'll feel understood. And that's a great basis for anything going forward. It, it, it probably makes you a much uh, more observant, more empathetic, if that's a word, um, mm-hmm. adult as well, I would think, uh, just, just from some of the concepts that we've learned that are taught in Montessori uh, and not necessarily taught in public school, especially here in the States. Uh, Simone Davies, the book, uh, The Montessori Baby and The Montessori Toddler. If you are expecting or um, we're planning a child, highly recommend these books because um, I, I wish this book would have been out four years ago for sure. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Uh, Thank you so much. That was so much fun. All right. This episode of the podcast brought to you by my good friend, William Wilson of the Hammonds Group. If I haven't convinced you yet to buy a home from William Wilson, if you live in Middle Tennessee, I honestly don't know what else to do. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home in the state of Tennessee, call my good friend, an actual friend of mine. Like, I can't say that enough. We are actual friends. Call them now, 615-216-4809. That's 615-216-4809 or williamwilsonhomes.com. Tell them Dola White sent you. want to say thank you once again to my guest, Simone Davies, for checking in all the way from the Netherlands. Make sure you check out her books, The Montessori Toddler and The Montessori Baby. Both are available right now. Brand new episode drops Monday morning. My guests, Dr. Karen Winkfield and Dr. Sonia Reed, they will be on to address racial disparities in healthcare. That's a great episode. Again, drops first thing Monday morning. As always, make sure you follow me Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, everything at Dolawite 101, D O L E W I T E 101. And don't forget, whatever platform you're listening on, make sure you follow, subscribe, all of that. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and hit me with that five star review and maybe even write a type of little review, say how great I am, something like that. I'm a Leo. I, I enjoy the praise. Anyway, that's my time. New episode Monday morning. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.